everything it is just God around me. You know, it just is. And she said, well, how would I know? I said, okay, let me, and I gave you the same analogy. It's like holding a newborn baby in your arms in the middle of the night. There's nobody else around. And it's just so beautiful. The smell, just, just this little creature that you created is just so incredible. And you have so much love. I said, that's what God is. But so much more. Sometimes labeled an empath, psychic, or medium, my guest today, Eileen Daly, was born with the gift of clairvoyance, which is a word that I personally had to Google to make sure I understood the correct definition. But more importantly, we chatted deeply on how she helps others by bridging the gap between heaven and earth. Eileen explains exactly what this means as she shares some incredible stories and explanations on her abilities to connect with the other side and how she's been able to help those understand death. Just wait till she mentions what happens in the St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City just months after September 11th, because I kind of calmly lost my shit with that powerful story. So thanks again for tuning into Dead Talks and hope you enjoy another episode. Irish Blarney, yes. Irish Blarney, is that what you Yes, yes. What does an Irish Blarney mean exactly? Um, it's the gift of gab, the blabble, the being able to talk freely, to just kind of more or less improvise, but not. Okay. Does that have any- you know, to tell a wonderful story, embellish. Okay. You know, my my dad can do that phenomenally. I mean, every joke he tells, even if it's the same joke. Because you want to see his mannerisms and how he says it, it's always different, but it's the same joke. As long as it's fun. Just the Blarney. (laughs) We're on Dead Talks learning about the Irish Blarney, so I like that. (laughs) Eileen, thank you again for being here. I I think it's uh, an important start for people that are listening to hear, you know, from the Blarney's mouth exactly (laughs) what you do and a little bit about yourself. And then, uh, and then next question after that, I don't want to pound you with questions off the bat. Curious as to why the hell you wanted to be on dead talks, but let's start with, you know, tell tell everyone a little bit about yourself and, uh, start. There. I was, I was born with the gift of being clairvoyant. Um, and it has come to me in different ways. When I was little, I um, had sleep paralysis and I didn't realize what it was. It was very scary. And there were other things that happened. Like when I was around five, I saw an angel in my room and she was at the dresser. And there were a lot of us kids all the time anyway. I'm number two of eight kids. So I think at the time there were one, two, three, four, four kids in the house. And it was a three bedroom, two bath house. One bedroom was my parents. The other bedroom was like um, multi-sleep, multi-kid room. And then the third bedroom was the baby's room because my mom would have to get up middle of the night, feed the baby, that whole thing. So it was my sister, Therese, Maureen, and I were in the same bedroom. And we had the same dresser for, gosh, decades. So I remember vividly, I saw... I'm going to say her, it's really just energy, but I saw her and she went like this, like not to wake everybody up. And I went, Oh, okay. Okay. And then that was it. That's all I remember. I do remember telling my parents, I told my aunt and they're like, really, really? Okay. Interesting. Um, And as time went on, I, I know I've had clear audience, which is being able to hear, I've been able to see some of the stuff I block because I don't want to see it. Um, And I have a strong sense of just knowing. So that's where my mediumship comes in. I call myself a life, a spiritual life and death consultant or a coach because the 10 years that my husband and I were managers in senior retirement communities, I was dealing with the residents that were passing over. And I was able to see on the other side what was going on and able to help the family deal with the physical changes. So I would explain both sides as to what was going on. So um, that has become very strong. 
I have recently come to hear the word death doula. So I guess you can kind of um, categorize me as, as it is in birthing, you've got a birth doula. As it is in the dying process, you've got a death doula. So that's kind of what I am. And I'm like Teresa Caputo, the um, Long Island medium. I stop people and tell them what's going on. I've made people cry. My husband hates it because in airports and grocery stores, just various places, my guides nag me to tell people stuff. I mean, I can't just say, okay, fine, thank you very much, and keep walking. No, 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 no. You've got to go tell them. You've got to go tell them. It's like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? So I have learned through the years, many years, that um, I need to tell them. Because if I don't, they're going to bug, bug, bug me. And so that's, that's who I am, and that's what I do. Oh that's a, there's a lot of information packed in there at once, so I'm trying to yeah. – Organize my questions right now. So, I mean, I'm, I might be going in reverse order, but we'll cherry pick here. So, what I'm, what I want to ask you is, when you, as a death doula, uh-huh. uh, I guess correct me if I'm not saying this properly, but you're, you know, okay. assisting people that have lost someone get through the process more or less, or going through the process. Or like someone's dying, or or they're, yeah, I'm gonna say dying because that can be. Months, weeks, days, hours, right there in it, that they're going through the process. So um, and I'm getting truth bumps on that right now. So one girl, her name is Betty, I called her Betty Boop. She wanted to ask me about her colon cancer and what was going on and what it was going to be like. So I was given information so I could explain to her on the physical side what was going to transpire because that takes away the scary part for her. And so I said, okay, Betty, I'm going to be there with you. I'll go to the hospital with you. I'll be there with you if you want me to. If you don't, just say, no, Eileen, it's okay. Because someone going through the process, it isn't pretty like it is on TV. Um, there's the body's fight and flight mode and it's, it's not always pretty. Let's just say that. So, um, I explained to her what the physical process was and I was able to see a couple of people that had passed on in her life who were going to be there to greet her. So in explaining that it took her anxiety way down and it helped her relax and focus in almost like Lamaze. Okay. Focus in on what's going to be on the other side to make the transition much easier. So that's what I help. Also in an advanced stage of dying, they can hear, but they may not appear to be awake. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I explained to the family members, okay. um, I'm seeing the tongue is starting to turn gray, blue, a weird color, Um, their toes, their um, extremities are going to look muted. They're going to be muddled on their chest, like blotchy on their chest, because all the blood in the body is going to go to the brain and the heart to keep that going. That's the body transformation. So I try to explain to them what I'm seeing on the other side, where their loved one is at during the the transition, as well as the physical. Because I've been there not knowing, oh my gosh, the book says this. Right. Where are they? So I, I try and calm everybody down and, and help them experience a very blessed moment. Because it's very holy at that time. So let me, so if, so you have your, you have the ability to, uh, you know, you can see, feel, and hear with mm-hmm. other, with the other side, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. So those people that have passed are at that stage. And then you're talking to people that are currently living, potentially dying. Is there a gap there? Because you you, you could see where these people are that already have died. And then Mm -hmm. dealing with someone who's already here. So then there's the transition. So when you're helping these people kind of cope with this process, Mm -hmm. do you know what the the logistics are? Like during that transition, what happens? Or is it kind of like, 
you walk through a door and then it's kind of a black area and then you're dead. If that makes sense. Cause if you're helping them with their transition, is there, is there, like, there's gotta be an experience in the actual transition. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, if you think of it, I'm going to use the Hollywood version. Okay. If you think of someone going through a fog, okay. You can see their, the outline of them as they're moving deeper and deeper into the fog. So, Going through that fog, I can sometimes feel the presence or see the presence of the loved ones coming to marry up with them to bring them further into the other side. Hmm. You've seen this? Yeah. And you yeah. feel that? Yeah. What does it feel yeah. like? Um, it's just a knowing. A knowing that, and very peaceful, very beautiful. It, it's do you have any kids no okay have you ever felt like a sleeping baby in your arms or a puppy that's just fallen asleep on you and it's just so quite peaceful so amazing yeah, yeah then that's the only thing i can compare it to on this side it's like you're so full of this amazing grace, this amazing love. It's hard to explain to someone else what it feels like. But you know, that's what it feels like, but so much more. You know, so I brought this up on a prior podcast, uh, and I don't know how familiar you are with it, but how you're explaining it is exactly how I've explained the experience that I've had. I haven't had a near-death experience, but I've, I've, I've tried uh, dimethyltryptamine, DMT, so uh-huh. back. And I guess people have called it, the, I don't know if I'm butchering this, but like the, the dying drug. I don't want to call it a drug. And they say that because a lot of the experiences that people explain through taking DMT, whether you agree with it or not, it's fine, is if it's, it's been compared to dying. And okay. it's horrifying, it's unscary. But when I experienced it myself, there was a moment when I got to like the pinnacle of it, more or less. Well, that's all. It wasn't a, it was kind of, I guess I described it as kind of smoky and it was just white. And, but I was in this place as if I just, it was like you said, a knowingness and it wasn't, yeah. a, and I couldn't pinpoint what I knew. It wasn't like, Oh, I, I know this, that, and the other, like precisely. It was just, I felt as if all my, all my questions were answered. I felt as if uh, everything was going to be okay. And it was just a, a calming utopia of relief yet, satisfaction that it's going to be okay, but it is okay at the same time. So it really made me think of that experience to me because you, and and at the same time, when I try to tell people this, I can't, that's the best I can explain it. Experience it yourself. So I'm not claiming that I've transitioned in a metaphorical sense or in a um, hallucination sense. I don't know what the hell happened, but all I know is it felt real enough and it felt exactly as if the way you just explained it. Okay, so taking that same thought process, um, that's what drugs do. That's what alcohol does. They call alcohol spirits for a reason. Right. Because it takes you out of the physical in your mind and takes you to a different level. It relieves all of that external garbage and puts it aside and that's why it's also dangerous because you are allowing yourself to be extremely vulnerable on the spiritual side to where um, psychosis, bipolar, schizophrenia, any other type of opening up on your spirit level, you're asking for, giving permission for unity transform, taken, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Okay. So um, you were there. Yeah, I felt it. It was, drug, it was drug-induced, but you were there. Yeah. That's what it felt like. Exactly how you explained yeah. it. That's why I'm bringing it up. And I think, that, I, I wonder if there's a fine line. It makes, uh, this is like a scientific question. I don't know. But you're saying how it can be dangerous, you know, if you get too induced with whatever substance you're putting into your body. I think, you know, mm-hmm. there's a yin and yang to that. Sometimes it could be creative or helpful but if you go too much then yeah i've seen i've seen the worst yeah, yeah. i wonder if that's like relieving a filter or what's really out there in some sense and what's really out there is so grand and so incomprehensible that when it does hit us maybe it causes those ill effects 
I don't know. Maybe this, maybe this is from an average Joe who sell houses trying to understand this. So, <laughs> oh. okay, but but you bring up a good point because um, I'm gonna have to tell you the story of another resident because I've got 20 billion and one stories. Janice was dying of lung cancer, and I had moved up to Antioch, which is Northern California, for about a year. And like I said, the positions we were in, we lived there on site with the residents, so we were, you know going on emergency calls to take care of them, calling the paramedics, going through a lot of emergency situations, also serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner with them. You know, we were their family. They were our extended family. So Janice had lung cancer. I had never met her before because um, her lung cancer had advanced to where she said she coughed all the time and it was embarrassing. So one day I had the privilege of, of bringing her lunch to her, introduced myself, said, oh my gosh, I heard so much about you, blah, blah, blah. And then she explained the process of lung cancer for her. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll say a prayer for you. And she went, well, I don't believe in God. I said, oh, are you agnostic or an atheist? And she went, what? I don't know the difference. And I said, well, they can't put God into a formula. Therefore, it can't exist. It's a scientific type of compartmentalizing, boxing it in. Um, an atheist is someone who usually when they're very young have had such a traumatic spiritual experience that if there was a God, God would not let this happen. So they shut the door, period. And that's the difference between the two. And she said, oh, well, I have a PhD. And I said, okay, you're a brainiac. Okay. She said, well, how do you know? Well, I said, I feel, I see, I sense, I, everything it is just God around me. You know, it just is. And she said, well, how would I know? I said, okay, let me, and I gave you the same analogy. It's like holding a newborn baby in your arms in the middle of the night. There's nobody else around. And it's just so beautiful. The smell, just, just this little creature that you created is just so incredible. And you have so much love. I said, that's what God is. But so much more. We can't even fathom it because our brains are not allowed to. She said, oh, okay, I get it. I've had five kids. I'm like, ah. You know what's going on. You're pretty much almost there. I can tell. So the white light you see coming through, that's not a street light. That's not a light in your room. She said, yeah. I said, like you do in Lamaze, focus in on something else because your body's going to go into fight or flight. I said, that's going to be the struggle. Please take the morphine. I said, you know, I've had people that say, well, I don't want to get addicted. You're freaking dying, okay? It, it doesn't matter if you're going to be addicted or not, okay? You're not going to make it long enough to be an addict. So take the morphine because that'll calm the fight or flight down. That'll help you focus in on that white light coming through, and it'll make your transition so much easier. She said, okay, I will. I will. I said, God bless you. I will say a prayer for you. And it's been my pleasure to meet you. So fast forward, Paul and I were moving back down to Southern California. Thank God. And the same day we were moving out was the same day she was moving out to her daughters because the time was getting very close. So I tried all day to get over there to say goodbye to her. And as I was going around the corner to my apartment, I saw her daughter's car and there was a hallway on one side where there was a window, a window door, and then another one. Well, I saw her down the one on the left and I swung around the other hallway and I was just in time to see her drive by. And I'm like, bye, Janice. And she yelled at, I'm going to remember. And I went, oh, thank you. So she has passed on and it just made it easier. I don't want to explain it. It just... It's one of those things. So how often do you, is this something that you do, do you only do for your pay your clients or is this something that you, you know, connecting to the other side that is, is that like how much of it is it involved in your personal life? I'm always connected to the other side. Like, you right. know, 
I got stuff coming in all the time. It's like, you know, I'm an airhead. My license plate is airhead. You know, I have a convertible. So, hey, you know, what can I say? So, you know, it, it's like I'm always connected. They're always feeding me information. So, like I said, when I go into um, an airport, oh, my gosh. I, when, when I went to St. Patrick's Cathedral right after 9-11, I went in January. I almost got swallowed up because they all knew that I knew what happened. And that's the point where I have to be very grounded, very protected, or I'm not going to make it. What do you mean they knew what happened? Who knew the, the... Um, there were thousands of souls that didn't know what happened on 9-11. Have you ever seen the movie Ghost? Yeah, Demi Moore, Patrick Swayze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And they're all walking around not knowing what's going on. They're not, they don't realize that they're gone. That's what it was like. And they saw me where I knew what was going on. That's why I was there to help explain it. But I didn't realize the magnitude of how many souls were there that needed understanding, that needed answers. Explain to the other side that they were caught in the middle. Okay. They weren't on heaven and they weren't on earth. They were caught in the middle because their lives had been taken before it was time for them to go. That's why murder is a sin, because we all have free wills. But when someone takes your free will away from you, takes your life away from you, there's that, what's going on? Why am I here? You know, I know I'm not there because people aren't talking to me. They say I'm dead, but where am I? So... There were so many that didn't understand where they were. They, they didn't understand what happened on 9-11. So um, fortunately, a friend of mine pulled me out of the church because I would have I not survived physically. It would have been too much of an overlap for my system. I would have gone over. You know, so um, I was taken out of the cathedral and... Um, I got very sick because that's what happens to me uh, when I have an extreme reading. I can only do like three a day because I'm pulling in very strong energy. So um, for about two months, I was really sick. And then I gradually got healthier. And I went to Barnes & Noble because one of my kids needed a book report done, whatever. And I was told by my guides to go check out this table. Well, on the table was the sale books. And one of them was 9-11. And it was spelled at N-I-N-E-E-L-E-V-E-N. And I went, well, this is odd. And you could barely see the writing on the jacket, the book jacket. So I picked it up, a little tiny book. I picked it up and went, oh, okay, you guys, I'm going to get it. Okay, I'll get it. So I got it. Brought it home. They said, now open it up. Opened it up. Nope, just randomly. They said, put it on your coffee table. So I did. They said, leave it there. Okay. So I left it there. I even forgot about it. And it must have been four to six months. I can't remember exactly the time frame. And then my guide said, thank you very much. You can close it up now. And I'm like, what is this all about? So they said... The souls needed to see what happened. By me getting the book and opening it up, they figured it out. They were able to pass over. So that's what happens when you can call it purgatory. You can call it any other word that you want. Um, it's just that in between when you haven't fulfilled your commitment to life here on earth when it is taken from you now not everybody gets stuck but that was such a huge magnitude that that's what i saw that's what was going on does that help yeah, i mean it, this one hits <laughs> so many questions specifically because i mean i did i i told you about my dad yeah dying on 9-11 so i wonder if he was one of those people first yeah. my first thought was why didn't they just walk down the street and look at the town and like walk around you and thought they'd figure out what happened at 9-11 without reading a book but that's another stupid comment um 
So the first thought is you're saying a lot of the, they don't know what's happening and some do and some stay and some go. What is the difference between first of all, actually, let me take a step back. Beep, beep, beep. These people, when you walked into the cathedral or is this a, once again, this is just a knowingness and a feeling. It was, um, first of all, when I walked into the cathedral, it's almost like I felt claustrophobic because all the energy just immediately surrounded me to where, um, I don't explain it on this side. Um, have you ever been, go ahead. You to ask you questions, like are they all gravitating towards you looking for answers? Yes, because I had the knowing. They knew I knew. And they're asking, that, and you, you literally feel as if they're asking you questions, what the hell happened? Yeah, why are we here? How come, what happened? Because man, we're in time. We have man-made time, okay? Because time is man-made and souls are in infinity. To them, it was like it happened seconds ago. Uh. But, but for us, 9-11... And me going in January was months away. Okay. But not for them. So me showing up and knowing the answers that they were seeking, I was just like swarmed. Jeez. Because they knew I knew. So, so then what, what's, why do, why are some getting stuck and some aren't? Um, I, what I'm, sensing not not what i'm told is that they're more enlightened they're more um i don't say in tuned with their spiritual side and it could be that that from the other side they were grabbed and pulled over Hmm. is what i'm sensing they're more prepared sorry like they were more prepared yes Yes. I wonder if that's what Dead Talks is doing because the whole the whole part of this conversation is to make people more comfortable. Not make people. I'm not saying, hey, grab them by the neck, discuss death. <laughs> but at the same time, just I think it's important for people to be comfortable with the idea of death. For for some reason, there's a tabooness about it about talking about death. It's like there's a taboo about talking about um, serious illness. Oh, you don't want to talk about well, what? How come? Yeah. Uh, it's well, just, it's, uh, Bill, it's like the collective conscious is just burned that way <laughs> for whatever. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, but that's what I'm trying to, the mold I'm trying to break. And I appreciate that tremendously. Yeah, I appreciate you talking about it. So I, I want to ask you personally, uh, clearly you're helping other people kind of understand the transition and what, what piece have you found? Are you, are you just, is, like, in layman's terms, just like, oh, people are over there and they're okay? Like, what are they, what's everyone doing <laughs> when you're not talking? <laughs> like, what are they doing over there? <laughs> okay, so um, there's a saying, as it is above, it is below. As it's above, it is below. Um, so they've got tasks to do. They've got um, certain levels that they need to get to. Being human on a spiritual level is very difficult. It's almost like instead of being in grade school, you're going for a very rapid quarterly system in college. So instead of you know going along, it's like you're going from here to here. And it's very difficult to be a human because we've got all of the senses that can tempt us and keep us back. And our goal is to get back with God. And when you pass over, we all have our, our day, our time. Uh, it's not really a day, but you've got your, your life review. How did you do down there? And you're sitting in front of purity, holiness, um, this exponential amount of love. So you're the little kid that's going to tell on yourself. You're going to say, oh, you know what I did? I screwed up and blah, blah, blah. You know, because you don't want to keep anything back. You know, you're the one that's going to judge you. So when you get to that point, you're going to say, okay, well, do you want to go back and, and fix some stuff? Or do you want to stay up here, which is a slower amount of time to get to sit 
back next to God, to get to the level of pure holiness, because we are made of God. We are, we are one, but and how to explain on the human side, but because God gave us free will, we have the choice to screw up or not. Okay, so there are certain things that you're allowed to do on the other side to bring you up to the level that you need to be. And what if you screwed up? Then you get a, a choice to fix it, you know, make a new contract with God to say, okay, I'll come back down or I'll fix it with helping a human down there from over here. Okay, so or, you're a reincarnation. You're talking about staying where they are, but helping people spiritually, like as my guides, my guides are helping me explain things. So by them helping me, it gets them closer to move up on the chain. How are they communicating with you? Is that like, they're just speaking to you or is the same? Like, how, how are they talking to you? It was a knowingness and I did get some that were speaking to me. They wanted me to tell their loved ones, blah, blah, blah. In your sleep or conscious, you're just like, all of a sudden, someone taps you on your shoulder. Both. Both. Sheesh. Were you raised religious, if you don't mind me asking? Like, yeah. yeah, I was raised um, Catholic. And what are the people, uh, your, your, your immediate circle, when you did tell, when you know, they learned more about your abilities, what did they, was there any people that you know, rejected it? Or was oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, quite a few. I didn't come out of the closet spiritually until recently. <laughs> really, the spiritual closet was got to be very difficult. I'd take it right. Yeah, I mean, because you're um, you're making yourself vulnerable. You're uh, being judged, which is the one thing. It's like I I try not judge because I want God to do the judging and not me. You know, because I've got this much of a brain and He's got so much more. You know, so um, it's spooky to people. My husband even calls me spooky. When I started to talk to him about it, he's very analytical. I call him analytical because he's very engineer brain. And I told him, look, we're twin souls. As it is above, it is below. We're twin souls. We're from one soul that split off. You're the analytical, I'm the spiritual. So I'm back in your life to bring that spiritual part so that you'll understand, you'll be complete. So um, we dated in college, went our separate ways for 20 some years, and then got back together, um, which is a whole lifetime movie kind of thing but um and then we got back together and then got married so through the process he's the one that calls me spooky whatever okay i am to him i am and i remember telling him some stuff that just blew him away because his dad had passed over in i think it was 2001 and um I had never met him. I think 2007, 2008, we were talking about something. I went, okay, your dad's here. And he's like, what? I said, yeah, I don't understand what he's saying, but he said to tell you this. And it was some little phrase that he said that I would not know. And he went, how do you know that? I said, because your dad's here. I told you your dad's here. And he, hello, we were married. We lived together. He knows that I'm spooky and the whole thing. But when his dad came, it just freaked him out. Yeah. Just- it's those moments. It's those examples. Like that. I think th- that's like the light switch moment that kind of yeah. you know, makes those people realize. Yeah. Um, I- I'm just, re- me personally, I'm just really open-minded to it. You know, I'm, I think it'd be, if I experienced it myself, I'd be even more of a believer, but I'm a believer anyway. You know, I, I'm, whatever, sue me, I believe in it. But it's, I've heard multiple stories, like you just told me of your husband, like having that holy shit moment. <laughs> what else are you supposed to be like that? Like, unless you're like most thorough person ever and like research recordings and all this, that, and that, like how, how would you know those things? So, uh, yeah. what, so you're just, you're just completely at, are you like a hundred percent at peace with death? The idea of you passing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's what freaked him out, too. He said, um, well, I don't want to die. I said, I do. I said, <laughs> what? You can't die. I said, we're all going to die. Hello. We're born to die. You know, being Catholic means you have gone through all of the classes and to when you die, you know, hello. So that freaked him out. He said, why do you want to die? I said, because 
one more day, one more moment down here is one more chance I had to screw up. Why would I want to take that chance? I said, hello. You know, so, you know, it, it's been a process with him. He, he gets it. He doesn't like some of the stuff that I say because I'm so comfortable with being dead. Because <laughs> you know? like, I'm already talking to him. Because I could see how someone could take that as like, you know, like, you know, not, I don't want to say not suicidal because that's, that's a very strong <laughs> word. But yeah. I've a lot of people that are very, you know, very, very Catholic, who they, a lot of Catholic believes what they believe. And I get it's like, it's. Well, no, they don't. No, they don't. They don't. They don't believe. I mean, ones I've met at. Yeah, but but they don't believe that I should be talking to spirit. Oh, that that's a different story. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, talking yeah. about the comfort level of dying. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Um, but they still don't like to talk about it. True. Yeah. What is that about? You know, it, it, yeah. I mean, when my aunt died. I was um, very, very upset because she lived next door with my grandmother and Ani, oh, just a, an amazing lady, never had any kids of her own, but she took all of ours in, you know, anyway, so when she died, I was in Houston and um, flew back to California to attend the funeral and Father Lorette was family. We knew Father Lorette for, I don't know, since I was in fourth or fifth grade. So I'm in my 20s and I, you know, we're at the party afterwards, because you got the funeral, you got the Irish party afterwards, you got it, you know? So um, I'm talking to Father Lorette and I said, Father, why is it so difficult when our whole religion is based on you're born and then you're gonna die? Why is it so difficult when someone goes that we struggle with that? <laughs> it was so funny, he said, cause you're mortal. And I went, that's it? You're not going to give me this big sermon, you know, up on the altar. You're going to, he says, no, honey, no, sweetheart, you're, you're mortal. And I'm like, oh, no, that can't be just boom. Yeah. I mean, you just, don't understand. Is that, is that what you meant by that? Yeah. We're mortal. We don't know till we know. And I have people just, at the end of the day, we all, it's scary of what we, things, for the most part, a lot of people fear what we don't know. That's it. So yeah, that's it. And that's why you can't you can't control the process of you dying. No. The day and time and second is gonna be the day you're gonna die. That's why I am I don't want to say at peace with this pandemic stuff, but I'm not freaked out. I have already had a meltdown. I've already had to reinvent myself from the mortgage meltdown. Right. I mean, you know, I had a business for for 12 years, been in the mortgage industry for 30 years, and all of a sudden I look up and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're out of business. I have 200 loans sitting there not funding. I had to figure out, what am I going to do? I'm almost 50, and I'm like, holy smokes, went through all my savings, all our retirement, and had to reinvent myself. So this time around, I'm like, I got this. <laughs> you know, I've already had to do this thing. So, you know, it it, people don't understand that the COVID thing, the amount of people that have are dying, yes, that's horrendous because of the number. But God has all of us stopping in our tracks to say, what are you doing with the lives I'm giving you? You're into the social media, you're into, you know, stuff instead of each other. Oh. So this has had a huge impact on the spiritual side because those that passed over are like, okay, guys, it's so cool over here, but you can't screw it up while you're there. Yeah, there's a huge bomb that has gone. And we're blessed because they've taken on that task to pass when they passed. Huh. So you're saying we, we kind of alluded to this earlier about if uh, you know you messed up, quote unquote. So what's your belief in, like you said, if you do mess up? I know you mentioned already that you can correct it somehow mm -hmm. coming back and helping someone. But do you believe in you know down the down below the big the big red man? Is that is that something that that experience? I, I do believe in it because um, you have the yin and the yang. You've got the positive and the negative. Okay. I was up at the Antioch 
And I don't want to even approach the negative side, is what I call it, because um, up at Antioch, I was getting ready to go to sleep, and I had this uh, this negative feeling that once I go to sleep, I'm not coming back. So I said, Paul, do me a favor. He said, what? And I said, would you just hold my hand while we sleep or have some kind of physical contact with me? And he went, what's going on? And I said, I just have this feeling that when I go to sleep, I'm not coming back. And I know it wasn't my time. So he, <laughs> poor guy, I know he didn't sleep all night because he was like stuck to me like glue. But I do know it's real because what I had up there. And it's very scary. And I know people that say, oh, I don't believe in the devil. I don't believe in hell, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, well, you need to think about the negativity then. I don't care what label you call it, but there is definitely evil that is out to get you. I have had that try and pull me away from what I'm doing. Because what I'm doing is helping people get to God. And I've had a couple of instances where um, I've been taken off my path for a reason. I'm like, wait a minute, what, what was that all about? Make me doubt what I do, what I feel, what the gift that God has given me. That's why my website is Daily Gift, because it is a gift that God gave me. You know, so I'm not a fortune teller. Um, that's against the rules. You know, um, I'm not a psychic. The difference between a psychic and a medium is psychics tell the future, I guess. Mediums are psychics, but they also talk to dead people. They talk to spirit. That's the difference. So, um, yeah, I do believe that. I do. Uh, terrifying and powerful at the same time. Uh, yeah. You said somewhere in there when you had that experience that, you know, you knew it wasn't your time. So do you, I'm assuming that, I don't want to assume, but it seems like that was just a knowingness as well. Mm -hmm. You believe there's going to be a knowingness when you know it's your time at the same time? Yeah. Not in a psychic manner or maybe in a psychic manner. I don't know. Do you think since you have this gift, that's something that's going to come along your path? Um, I just have a knowing. Do you um, that, I mean, I... I was in a very bad car accident, two of them. The first one was 18. I was hit by a Mack truck when I was driving. So um, I don't remember a lot about that, but I should have died. From everybody telling me stuff, I should have died. So um, the reason why I'm here is the answer I got on First Communion Day. I remember walking down the sidewalk saying, okay, God, why am I here? And he said, to get as much love as you can and to spread as much love as you can before you come back. Okay, fine. I mean, that's a second grade version, but there's a lot of truth that is said to kids because they're so innocent that they have been corrupted by unlearning what we're supposed to know. Right. I remember that. Well, so, I have heard of it, especially as when you mentioned kids, I think from zero to seven people, uh, they're the most vulnerable in a state of hypnosis where they're, there's kind of like a, a veil that's lifted and are more vulnerable, susceptible to that other side. I think, I think, I don't know if the, the Catholic church has said it. You give a, you give me a kid from age zero to seven and I'll make him a man of God or something like that. But I think the insinuation there was that there's just so teachable and they're so pure but their brains are that's the reason why the brains are like punches. So you hear a lot yeah. of stories of kids, you know, I don't want to call them ghosts, whatever you want to call them, or connecting with the other side. And it sounds so crazy, but a lot of kids kind of have that experience, don't they? Yeah. yeah I mean, I saw the angel when I was five. Exactly. You're still connected. You're still in that holy, blessed, I want to say, um, decade, but it's not a decade, time period. Right. You're, yeah. you're not corrupted. You're still the eyes of a child. You know, which which is one of the beatitudes. So, you know, it 
it there is something to to be said about listening to kids. Oh yeah, mom, they were around. They were saying, "Oh, okay, cool." You know, I mean, yeah. they don't know the difference between <laughs> on the other side or here. Exactly. They, they just they don't have that veil in between. It it's just it is what it is. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. We have that concrete brain that we've experienced everything. We think we know everything. And if we're like, oh, whatever, I don't believe it. Whatever. The walls. The walls are being built. Walls have been built, but they can be broken down and rebuilt. I still believe it's harder. Yeah. Uh, this is such a lot, a lot of stories here, a lot of information here, but maybe one one more thing to wrap it up. I, I do want to, I don't want to, you know, ask for free information for something you do for a living. Hey, do it. For people that, you know, I, I feel like if the way I'm seeing it, once again, correct me if I'm wrong. If there's a client of yours or someone who's having trouble with death, it doesn't per se. I think you've actually given an example of someone who was, um, didn't know if she was atheist or not. Uh, how do you, how do you guide people that have trouble believing, you know, in your gifts? Like what is the most layman version of how you would kind of help someone get through the, the dying process? Someone who's actually grieving someone else's death. A one, two of, you know, the best method for people to get through that grieving process. Own your grief. Grief isn't going to be for X number of days or months. My mom died in 2006. My sister died in 2015. Um, my girlfriend called me in 2007 and her mommy just died. And she said, oh my gosh, how many more days am I going to cry? How many more days am I going to feel like this? And I said, I hope you never get over it. And she said, what? And I said, because to me and my feeble mind, the depth of grief is the depth of love you had for someone. And, you know, it's like, it's raw. And sometimes you feel like, I can't, I can't handle this. But you do, because you got another day, another moment to be down here to spread the love to someone else. And I remember, you know, going down the street and said, oh, I, I want to call mom. Hello. I'm like, what is that all about? Mom, why are you messing with me? And, you know, she just said, well, I just wanted to let you know I'm around. I'm like, I know you're around. Stop messing with me. You know, so it, it's those things that, yeah, it still affects me, too, because I'm human. Right. You know, um, to help someone go through the grieving process, just be there for them. Validate that there's a reason why they're still going through it. You know, validation is so huge to so many people for so many things. You know, um, the judgmental stuff is what we have to get rid of. You know, the, um, what is it, the um, cancel culture or I don't know what you call that thing. I mean, it, I don't know how you're applying it, but that's a thing. But, but that is the reverse. If someone is starting to talk about something you're not comfortable with, why aren't you comfortable with it? And the same as death and dying um, and grieving. You're not comfortable with it because you're not comfortable about you being vulnerable or seeing them vulnerable. That's what we're all about as being a human. I love that. I love it, especially when you said the depth of grieving is kind of the depth of your love or vice versa, however you said it. Yeah. Yeah. My sister brought up a quote like that. And it's so true. I mean, the more pain you feel, only, well, for the, a lot of the time indicates, you know, the love you felt. So I think that's important. Uh, Eileen, uh, amazing. Seriously, I think, uh, I don't know if you want to give one more shout of, you know, I, I mentioned, I, I have it written down, but you, you have a program called, it was Find Calm and Chaos. Is that what it was? Finding Calm and Chaos. I created an online course. Um, I've got some lists that your listeners can, you know, take advantage of. I've got it on my website, Daily Gift, D-A-L-E-Y, like the mayor. Yes, I'm related, but no, I don't know them. Okay. Gift like in present. So, you know, um, because 
when this whole thing started and I had COVID for four months, I was very sick. So um, I know what that's like. It's horrible. But people are getting all freaked out. And they, I created the course online so that people can go and do the inner searching to figure out why are you freaked out about this stuff? And I had one of my clients call me and say, why are you staying so effing calm? And I'm like, what? And she hung up on me. And I'm like, what was that all about? So she called me back the next day. She apologized and said, you need to create a course because people need your help. What are you talking about? So I did. And I've got videos. I've got worksheets. I've got little, hey, what's this all about? You know, to help people. Because... If you're getting rattled by the pandemic, why? What's rattling you? That you're a troll? That you have to be forced to sit in a house or wear a mask or do this, that, and the other? What's that all about? You need to find your inner peace because it doesn't matter where you are, what you can or can't do. You're creating your own little prison. You're creating your own little timeout. Why? There's so much that you can... Look forward to, look around, and take advantage of. We've all organized everything in our houses by now. I mean, I'm doing another knocking down walls and stuff, which my husband's ready to kill me. But anyway, so uh, there's so much creativity that has come out of this. Let's use it. But that's what I've got, finding calm and chaos to answer your question. I love how you ask why, because I think a lot of people spend a lot of time on the problem as opposed to the cause and the root and the, and the solutions. Um, I think uh, finding those triggers and asking that question why is really important. So I'll plug you in uh, earlier in the episode as well. I mentioned this. Maybe that's even, I think even finding common cows might be the name of this episode. So <laughs> I think that's great. Uh, Eileen, thank you so much for doing this. You're well-spoken. Your stories are great. I love your Oh, honey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I got the gift of Blarney. <laughs> the gift. I mean, that's another. I mean, that's the name of the episode, to be honest. Uh, but this, I, I really want to thank you again. I would. I would love to stay in touch and keep uh, path. Uh, what's going on, and maybe check out your program as well. That'd be that'd be wonderful. Thank you so much. I appreciate talking about the dead with me. Okay. I will. So stay in touch, Eileen. Thank you so All much. Right, sweet. Thank you. Bye.